So we are still in the process of learning how to uh, do this hybrid of uh, in-person and online, and uh, what a great group of people uh, who are making that happen. So why don't you give them some thanks. For... Yeah, we're going to get better and better at this, but mm. it's, it's a lot. Hey, uh, wanted real quick to just uh, reference something that we did last week. We sent out, I think it was our fourth survey during the pandemic, just to uh, hear from our congregation and what you all are thinking and experiencing and so forth. And so we sent one out early last week and uh, got great response. About 275 of you uh, responded very quickly. Uh, so thanks for that. That's really helpful. One of the most exciting things in the survey was we are about 90% yeah. vaccinated as a community of faith, right? <laughs> We're a herd <laughs> with immunity. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty exciting, right? Yeah, that was. And then the other, uh, one of the questions we asked was about when will you be, feel comfortable being inside without a mask? Because we're recognizing that New Jersey will be making that switch very soon. And that came out about 50-50. Uh, we asked about whether you preferred uh, mask preferred or mask optional. And so what we're going to do is uh, basically split the room almost in half and we'll have uh, signs up that let people know which side that you would sit on the mask preferred section. We'll ask that you would wear a, a, wear a mask on that side and the mask optional section you would not have to wear a mask. And we're excited because uh, as you're comfortable coming back uh, to the building, we wanna provide that space for everyone to feel as comfortable as possible. And, and we'll continue online. You don't have to wear a mask online uh, and we're just happy you're here. <laughs> <laughs> so in this series, we're talking about lessons learned during quarantine. And uh, one of the things that I think we've all had to learn is how to use something called Zoom, right? <laughs> I don't know about you, but um, prior to March of last year, I had actually used Zoom one time. I was in a meeting, it was a conference meeting, and they, I had used Skype, but now they had this thing called Zoom, and I'm like, oh, brother, you know, another new thing. And little did I know that that was gonna become a part of my life. So from that point on, Every meeting uh, we had, whether it was staff meetings or, uh, or meetings with volunteers, small groups and so forth, it all took place on Zoom, which was, you know, it was great. I got to see people's living rooms and kitchens <laughs> and you know, you'd see people walk by. Uh -huh. There were some interesting experiences with pets. Yeah, what know. always happened, if you and I were on a Zoom meeting, I have, we have cats and one cat in particular, for some reason, loves Zoom meetings. And every time <laughs> the Zoom camera comes on, he jumps up onto the laptop, and so you got to meet Ferris. I right? did, yeah. I did. Yeah. So there's been really some funny videos that have been out too uh, uh, concerning Zoom, and there was one, it's my, it was my favorite, it was an attorney who had a cat filter on. I think we have a picture of that. Uh, we don't have the video, but you see, this is an attorney down here, uh, and he was, uh, my favorite part was he kept talking with the, uh, the judge, uh, who I believe is the guy up in the upper right corner, and telling him, I'm trying to get it off, I can't figure out how to turn it off. And there's another picture we have that's, uh, this, is, this is him. All right, that's, that's his cat filter look, and this is him without the, without the cat filter. My favorite part of the video is he said, Your Honor, I am not a cat. Uh, 
Like that's how bad it got that you have to you have to let the judge know I'm really I'm, I'm really not a cat. Things you thought you would never have to say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots Other, of those with Zoom, right? Yeah. So the one of uh, something that you know became a common thing that, uh, like I said a year ago, you never would have said. Um, unmute yourself. <laughs> like. When else would you ever say that to mm -hmm. somebody? Or we can't see you. We can't see, that's right. <laughs> You're frozen. You're frozen, yes, there's another one. <laughs> I'm waiting in the lobby. Yes. Yeah, that's another one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, crazy, good stuff. So Zoom is, you know, Zoom isn't new. It's been new to us over this last year, but Zoom actually has been, a, been around since September of 2012 is when they launched. Almost 10 years, Zoom has been in existence. But in March of 2020, the pandemic and our quarantine, uh, Zoom exploded. If you remember, Zoom took off their uh, time limits for, for people. I think they still have those turned off now, I'm not sure. But, uh, but Zoom, FaceTime, and a whole bunch of these video applications just became incredibly popular. And what used to be infrequently used before the pandemic became this new novel and then quickly became this mainstream reality. It happened almost immediately. And there was this quick learning that had to take place. And uh, one of the uh, unique features of this pandemic that I've been reading a lot about is that culture changes because of the pandemic and because, of the, because it was a global event, culture changes are happening at a really fast pace. And the same way that culture changes uh, have happened because of the pandemic, they could not be predicted. And there are more culture changes that are yet to happen in 2021 and beyond. And these are going to be very difficult to identify. But there are futurists who would say that changes are still to come. We don't know what they will be. And the changes to culture will happen quickly and suddenly. Yeah. So in the same way that we learn to adapt to Zoom in our own lives and, and here as a staff, at Hope, we want to learn to be uh, uh, to be able to pivot, to be able to transition whenever needed as efficiently as possible. Yeah, and the good news in all of this is I think um, we've done a pretty good job figuring mm -hmm. that out, and uh, we have gotten more agile, mm -hmm. I think, as out of necessity uh, in our ability to respond to things as they happen, <clears throat> excuse me, in real time. Mm -hmm. And um, so we've been pretty good at that. One of the things that you may or may not know is we were already talking about going online before the pandemic. Uh, we saw this trend happening, and so Pastor Rick was actually doing the research and figuring out what kind of skills and technology we would need to be able to uh, put our service online. So when, when March hit and we were quarantined, we were already prepared uh, to begin that process. And so when we talk about principles of community here at Hope, one of the principles is we pay attention to the culture. We don't follow it, but we pay attention to it so that when need be, we can respond to it. Mm -hmm. We also pay attention to the Holy Spirit. And so we are listening to what's going on in the culture. We're listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit so that we can move when we need to move. Right, and Zoom became a reminder to us of how important being together really is, is that there was that longing we had to see family, to see friends, and to just make some connections. And so while there were challenges 
uh, associated with Zoom. We already talked about some of those things, but, you know, teaching others how to use it correctly, right? Uh, volume issues, and then even internet speed challenges, right? When everybody would freeze for a moment, and then they'd come back, and we'd go through all those challenges because we, while it was frustrating, we also saw it was so worth it because connecting to others is so very important. As a matter of fact, uh, I did a, my first ever digital small group, it was all online, and, and there were all those frustrations that went along with that. Sometimes it was hard to hear what someone was saying, but I enjoyed that experience so much and saw the benefit that I'm looking forward to doing that, even though I wouldn't have to, we could meet together, doing it again because people from all over were able to meet, and it didn't matter what town they were from, and That's it was great. just a great experience. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, so you can't beat in person, mm -hmm. honestly, you know, I just... Physically being together is the best, and we are so excited, those of us who've been part of this uh, throughout the last year and in this room by ourselves on, uh, on Saturdays or Sundays, um, man, did we miss <laughs> having you in the room. So you can't beat that. But community is so important that having the option of being together, even if it means a Zoom kind of togetherness, it makes it worth it. Um, I even did a wedding uh, here. It was a planned wedding. It was going to be a big event. It was going to be a destination wedding. Hundreds of people were supposed to arrive. And uh, the couple still wanted to get married, which I thought was a great thing. And so we had about oh, maybe eight or ten of their guests here. But we put it on our live platform, meethope.live. And so their friends from all around the country and in other countries were able to be mm. present at their wedding. That's how important community is. So here's, here's what we're saying this morning, um, that community is so important. It's worth overcoming. It's worth overcoming any challenge. Yeah. Community is so important that it's worth overcoming any challenge. And so we're going to be looking at, uh, really, it's one of a, a favorite paragraph of mine. It's from one of Paul's letters, and uh, it's Ephesians. And in it, he, we're, going to, we're going to point out, trying to pull out four things that we see that Paul tells the church. And we believe they're important today, especially during this season that we're going through as we're relaunching hope. And so I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 4, and it's verses 11 through 16. It's going to be up on the screen over our shoulders here. So Paul says, now these are the gifts... Christ gave to the church, to the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Paul then says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, 
it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Just a favorite passage of mine. And one of the first things that I notice is that Paul says the responsibility of those who work at the church, of the pastors and those on staff, is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church. That our responsibility as the church is to equip others to do the ministry of the church. That church is not a place where the professional clergy do ministry for people to consume it. Now, there are lots of churches that you can find that probably are like that, and probably it's likely they're pretty small. Uh, but you'll find churches where the professional clergy will just do work for, the, for those who are in the church. And, and a lot of times they'll even say things like, well, I'm a jack of all trades. I run everything in the church and can get it done that way. But Paul is challenging the church, and at Hope we follow this idea as well, that we believe that all of us work together. That together as a community of faith, we work together based on our giftedness and our spiritual maturity and our availability. That staff provide the equipping by recruiting people, by training people, and by supporting as we all work together. Now, this, this verse was unknown to me back early in my 20s. I was at my first internship at a real small church where the pastor was someone who was a jack of all trades who did everything himself. And at the end of my internship of youth ministry, I was meeting with him for my exit interview, and he had this to say. It was sort of a backhanded comment. He said, uh, Rick, you're really good at getting other people to do your job. And I was like, okay. All right, I guess. I don't know if I checked that off as on the good or the bad. And, uh, but until I found that verse, I went, oh, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So while it may seem easier to sit back or it, may seem, or it might be better to let others to do it or to do it yourself maybe, as this pastor thought, that we miss the opportunity to grow and to invest and to be part of the growth of others. Now, uh, there's two things that I love to see. I love seeing people and the church being brought together. Uh, someone here who is probably watching online said this to me whenever he sees me in the lobby, he said, I can hear a sucking sound because I know you're trying to suck someone into doing something. <laughs> and I teased him and said, that's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm doing is I'm trying to connect <laughs> people with the church and find a way for, yeah. for the church to grow as a body of Christ and to see people grow, that individual growth and community influence are this opportunity and it's how the church grows best. And I see it all the time on mission trips that you'll have these really harsh conditions when we'll be in Haiti or Cuba and it's poor sleeping and hard work and there's heat and there's limited comfort. And it's really, you would think, not a great environment for spiritual growth. But this group of people who have come together for a common goal have these developed real strong relationships and there's this deep spiritual meaning that happens in their life. And these this small group of people are committed to this common goal and this mission together, and there's incredible growth. Love and, it. Yeah, it's exciting. Your new nickname is Pastor Hoover. Hoover. <laughs> <laughs> no? Okay. No, you know, there's so many ways I can go with this. But uh, we're we're going to let it go. We're running out of time, the next so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> the next thing that Paul wrote was, this will continue until such time that all come to such unity in the faith. This is going to continue. This working together, this coming together is going to happen until there is such a unity 
of faith. Mm. And I love this as, as Paul continues to lay this out. So he's saying all of this diversity, these various gifts, the ways that we are different from each other mm -hmm. is really going to work together to create unity. So our diversity really is a strength because you have different gifts, you have different experiences, you have different perspectives. That's not a weakness for us, that's a great mm -hmm. strength. Mm -hmm. Paul, in another uh, letter in 1 Corinthians, wrote about the church as a physical body, and he said, you know, just like a body, there's ears and eyes and nose and fingers and legs and so forth. Each one has a function. Each one is important. None of them is complete without the other. And so that's how he's describing the church, that we have this diversity, and it's coming together to create this great unity. So the question might be, why is unity so important? Why would unity be a value for us? And the answer, the simplest answer, is because that's what Jesus prayed for. In John's Gospel, the 17th chapter, John is recording a prayer that Jesus prayed at the Last Supper, and it's, it, it's an extended prayer, really. Um, but in verses 20 to 23, Jesus is praying for his followers, and not just those in the room, Jesus says, but for all who will come because of their witness of me, so that includes us, mm -hmm. he's praying for unity. So in those three verses, he's praying for unity. I want to read just the last of those three verses, verse 23. This is how Jesus prayed. I am in them, and by them he means the church, I am in them, and you, meaning the Father, are in me. May they experience such perfect unity mm. that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Mm. So this whole idea of unity has this profound eternal purpose that as we are growing in our unity with each other, as our, we're coming together and working together and so forth, that the world is going to see embodied in the church this unity and see how much God loves each of us mm. through the example. And so unity is, is a really important part. It's like a sports team, right? If you've ever been on a, a unified sports team, it's great, right? Each individual contributing their gifts, their skills, playing their position, but doing it as part of this unit, part of this team, mm -hmm. and they're experiencing wins and losses and challenges together and overcoming that. That's a great image, I think, for the church. And then he goes on and says, in addition to this unity, that we will speak the truth in love. We're not going to be deceived by false teaching and so, and so forth, but we will speak the truth in love. And I think there's kind of a multitude of things that we could unpack in there, but two things I want to say about that. One is that we speak the truth about Jesus, and we speak the truth like Jesus. Mm. We speak it about him and we speak it like him. So the truth about who Jesus is is that Jesus is the pre-existing God, that everything that is created was created in and through Jesus. John tells us that in uh, his gospel, that Jesus 
is the very embodiment of God, and he is God incarnate. He took on human flesh. He came to earth to show us God's way, to teach us God's truth, and to give us a new life and an abundant life and the hope and the promise of an eternal life. That Jesus came to be our sacrifice, that despite our sin, despite our missing the mark, that Jesus came to bring us forgiveness so we could mm -hmm. stand in the presence of a holy God forgiven. All of that is true of who Jesus is. He's not just a prophet. That's not true. He's not just a moral teacher and a great religious leader. He's not dead. All of those things are not true about Jesus. So part of speaking the truth is the truth about Jesus. But speaking it in a way that reflects who Jesus is. It reflects who Jesus is. We speak the truth in love. Because, friends, if we got all of the truth right about Jesus but didn't speak it in love, mm -hmm. we know from 1 Corinthians 13 that it's just noise. It's just noise. 1 Corinthians says, if I had all knowledge and understood all mysteries but don't have love, it's just noise and isn't to be paid attention to. And so, of course, the culture wouldn't have any interest in how we talk. I'm always so hurt and always heartbroken, really, when I hear Christians, and especially Christian leaders, who use hostile language, who use arrogant language, who use divisive language. That's not the language of love. That's not speaking the truth in love. And so we need to be careful about the ways that we speak to and the ways that we speak about each other. So what's, what's loving language sound like? Again, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. So our language is patient. It's kind. Our words are kind. Mm. It's not rude, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it's not okay with injustice. But unfortunately, friends, we live in a culture where rude and obnoxious and proud talk gets ratings. And ratings mean you sell more soap, mm. right? And so that's why this culture is superheated with that kind of language. But we as Christ followers, we as the church, are not supposed to be imitators of the culture. We're not supposed to be an echo chamber of the culture. We're supposed to do things differently than the culture. Absolutely, yeah, and I love how he wraps it up. He says, then when these things are true, yeah. then the whole body is healthy and the whole body is growing and is full of love. That when we are working together as a community of faith, not only doing the work of church building, but also building each other up. That when we're working together, that we're not only uh, doing this as individuals and becoming healthy and growing and full of love, but our whole community. So like we talked about last week and the week before, love becomes our trademark. That a healthy community then is desirable. A healthy community becomes attractive. And I love that he used the word the whole body because for me it just got this image that there are still people who are yet to be added to this community mm -hmm. of faith. That there are friends and neighbors and coworkers and family members that we are not finished until the whole body, the whole body is healthy and growing 
and full of love. And so if you are just joining us over this last year, if you are part of this, then you are part of this body. If you are just joining us in the last month online, if you've just been catching on to what's been going on here, you are part of this body. You're part of this community of faith. And we look forward to growing together. And there are others yet to come. So if you're not currently contributing to a team, if, uh, if uh, this, this, this is a great time to join one. Relaunch is this great time to get involved. Uh, it's a great investment in your life. And as we said, it's a great investment in the lives of others. Uh, there are so many different ways. If you're looking for weekend involvement, uh, our kids ministry, Heather's here and she would say yes to that. Uh, our <laughs> lobby ministries, our tech ministries, our worship ministry. Everyone's waving their ministry to me. I got it. I got it. Youth <laughs> ministries, digital <laughs> ministries, all right? All those weekend opportunities. Our we, student ministries. Our stu- I said youth. Yes, yeah, students and youth, yes. We you said children, you didn't say youth. I, I see somebody I, waving uh, back here. All right, yes, those people too. All right, there's lots of weekend opportunities, on, all right? Hoover. We'd love for you to be involved. If you're looking for midweek involvement, our small groups, our food pantry ministry, our care ministry, there are so many ministries that are either relaunching or they are reorging as we prepare for this new season of hope. And if you are serving on a team uh, prior to the pandemic and you, you haven't heard from your team leaders yet, uh, uh, reach out to them. They'll be reaching out to you soon as we relaunch uh, in all all new directions with this uh, one church and two expressions. Because relaunch is going to require some restructuring of our teams. Like, for instance, our lobby team uh, figure out a new way to receive the offering. Uh, Just one example of how the lobby team is working to do it differently uh, as we move forward. And so everyone is needed. Absolutely. That was like a commercial break almost. That was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. And that's really what we're talking about, right? Is so when you get involved, when you participate, uh, you enhance the church, mm. you bless others, and of course, you receive a blessing uh, doing that as well. So we've learned lessons in quarantine. And as I prayed earlier, my prayer is that we remember those lessons, those things that we have learned and are still learning. Uh, because of the pandemic that we went through. So it wasn't just a big waste, um, but that we learned some valuable lessons, Mm -hmm. again, individually and collectively. But I know that for many of you, it has been, for all of us really, it's been a really difficult year. I mean, there have been folks who faced health crisis and loss. There are folks who, all of us experienced this deep division socially, racially, politically uh, over this past year. Jobs were lost, incomes were lost, kids lost out on schooling, health systems were under stress, school systems were under stress, towns and states were under stress. The church was under stress. And we are just now beginning to come through that. And I think one of the things that we have learned is that authentic Christian community is worth overcoming any challenge. Mm. We're experiencing that now. We're moving ahead now. We are writing the history of the church now that will be looked back on. And I don't think this is hyperbole. People are going to look back on this time 100 years from now to figure out how people went through it, what we learned, and people are going to be looking at the church 
and how did the church function? And so we're writing that history now. Let's write a good history. Let's pray together. And so, Lord, thank you for your church that has sustained over 2,000 years and challenges that rival anything that we have ever experienced. And now, Lord, as we are in our own time, our own challenges, our own experience, I pray that you would give us the wisdom, the courage, the strength to overcome the challenges, to live out authentic Christian community, and that we would do so in such a unified way that when people look at your church, they will see the love of Christ. May that be true of each of us. For we ask it in his name, the name above all others. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, have a great week, everybody.